Guys, I'm bringing the party to you. Samsonite. I was way off. Hold on to your butts. Text, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Great to have you on the Stephen Corson Show, where we like to talk about money, life, and everything else. This show is all about revamping how you think about money and how to use it to live the life that you want. I'm excited you made this show part of your financial journey. So let's get to it. Okay, so this week, I kind of put something on that I did not really think was particularly controversial, but really kind of set the interwebs on fire just a tad bit more than I thought. Got a lot of DMs on it, a lot of questions, some people legitimately interested in asking me to explain how and why this was going to be the way it was. Other people just straight up attacking me that, hey, no, you're wrong. Um, I don't really care. But uh, about those people, but for the people who were generally interested, uh, which was a decent amount, I decided and I told a lot of you I would do a podcast on how I'm going to make $1.8 million more by not paying down my house. And I know many of you, particularly coming from, uh, you know, the only financial background you've ever had is Dave Ramsey. And look, not knocking on the guy completely. I don't disagree with a lot of his or I don't agree with a lot of his stuff. Um, I think that there are a lot of strategies out there. If you want to use his, that's fine. But I think there's a lot of strategies out there. It ain't Bible. And, um, you know, I choose to go a different path. And the math just says something different. And I'm, you know, not interested in, you know, taking that particular route. Um, so all that being said, let's let's talk about this. How I'm going to make $1.8 million more by not paying down my house. Um, so at the end of the day, um, you know, this is what I like to kind of call the game of loans. Uh, so first you need to understand something. I want to frame this a little bit. So do you understand that when you make an investment in a stock or a mutual fund, like what is that? Like, what are you doing? What is happening to your money when you go online and you buy something like that? Well, you are actually acting like a bank. You are giving someone, or in this particular uh, example, you are giving a company or a group of companies your hard-earned money as a loan for them to improve their business and grow the company. And what do you get in return? Well, in return, you get to own part of that company. That is what stock is. You get stock. You get ownership of a portion of that company. Now, this is a gross simplification, but generally speaking, as the company improves its performance, the stock will go up, which means your investment goes up, aka you're getting interest on that investment. Well, guess what? That is exactly what banks are doing. Why do you think banks make so much money? Why do you think banks that are publicly traded on the stock market are some of the top earners? How are they making money? Well, it's quite simple. When you deposit money into a bank in like a savings account or whatever the case is, they use that as money toward investments in order to earn interest. So your 20% isn't just sitting idly in a box in a safe somewhere. It is being loaned out constantly, whether that's to people for homes, to start small businesses, education uh, and student loans, or to large companies, whatever the case is. That is where they are getting their loans from. Well, when you buy stock in a company, you're essentially giving that company your money for them to go and do things to make their business even better and earn you more interest. So that is kind of a fundamental understanding of what I need you to understand to get where I'm going with this. So 
why, if I am paying interest, would I continue to pay interest to get it done sooner? Because, Stephen, you have a mortgage. Therefore, you are paying interest and you're paying it on a very expensive asset, a house. So therefore, there's going to be a lot of interest at the end of your 30-year loan. People are also shocked to find I didn't take a 15-year loan. Again, we will get into that. So to be clear, and I want to be clear about this, I could pay off our house right now in full, but I choose not to. That was essentially the big blow up. It wasn't this hypothetical. I was just telling people like, hey, I am choosing not to do this and here's why. And people were kind of like, why are you not paying off your house? It's such a great opportunity. And I, okay, I, I get what you're saying. And sure, it's not the dumbest thing in the world to do, but I also just don't think it's the smartest. Why? Let's dive into that a bit. Well, for starters, a lot of advice depends on the situation. So would I be making this recommendation that you shouldn't pay off your home to somebody who lived in like the 80s when interest was at 17%? No, I would not be giving this type of advice to a person back then when interest was 17% because interest was freaking 17%. Now, granted, you were getting a lot more than the 0.0001% interest we are getting nowadays in our uh, bank accounts, in our savings accounts. Um, but still, that was pretty bad. 17.5% interest, you got to knock that bad boy out. So back then, paying off your home was a great idea. Well, guess what? times change. Therefore, you need to change the advice and the financial information based off of the world that you're actually living in now. Well, we are not paying 17% on loans anymore. We're paying 3%. At most recently, they're coming up a little bit. We're paying 4%. Still, historically, very low rates. Okay. So the loan that I got specifically on my house was 3.25%. I doubt I will ever see that percentage again in my lifetime. And that's actually a good thing. Interest rates don't need to be this low. That's a completely different discussion for another time. But it's fine if things go to 4 or 5%. It really is because we'll make it up elsewhere. But I digress. Okay. So the reality is my loan that I have on a fixed rate, which means it will not change. Okay. It is stuck at 3.25%. Uh, I have that for the next 30 years. So inflation goes up on average in a normal year. Last year has been an absolute disaster. Um, you know, this year's not looking to be any better, but normally inflation goes up on average two to 3%. So long-term, normally that's what we can come to expect for the most part. Well, inflation is the decrease of your purchasing power of the dollar as we print more money. This is very normal. Every modern day country runs into inflation. The point is to keep it minimal, right? And to continue and increase wages over time to kind of match it, which has not been happening for the most part across the world. But I digress once again. So in this example, this is why your grandparents bought a house 60 years ago for like $7,000. And if you looked up that house on Zillow right now, it would probably cost like $400,000. Well, the house may have gone up in value if it was, you know, relatively kept up overall over the years. Um, but the price increase is really just inflation. I mean, that's primarily it. Sure, maybe there's a little more development. You know, they built some stores and better schools in the area or, you know, maybe whatever the case is. There's a million different things that could cause the house to be worth more or less. But in general, the, the fact that it came up from 7000 to 400000 being relatively the same house over 60 years is just due to inflation. 
another example is going to be a gallon of milk. Right now, a gallon of milk costs about four bucks. Well, guess what? In about 20 years, that same gallon of milk is going to cost you $8. It's not necessarily that it's going to be more expensive. It's more about the fact that you know the average person right now might be making $50,000 a year. And in 20 years, as inflation goes up and people get paid more, the average person's probably going to be making $80,000. It'll be much more common for people to be a millionaire in 50 years when the average salary in America is probably like $250,000 a year for like a entry level job. Why? Because of purchasing power. I will uh, have to do a YouTube video on this in the coming uh, months. Yes, uh, quick announcement there. I am uh, going to be launching a YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to go, just type in Stephen Corson, launch that. I'm going to start doing YouTube videos soon. I was doing video podcasts there for a while. Some of the old episodes are on there. That's not what I'm talking about. I will be doing YouTube dedicated videos on topics like, like this. So if you're interested, just type in my name, Stephen Corson on YouTube, subscribe. Um, you're going to start seeing content pop up there in June, working on the studio right now. I'm very excited. I digress again, moving on. A lot of digressions today. So let's get to it. The 1.8 million extra dollars, Stephen, how are you going to do this? You bumbling idiot. You should just pay off your house, play it safe. Why are you taking this chance, this risk? How is this mathematically even possible? Well, all you naysayers out there, guess what? Uh, it is possible. It's called math. Let's talk about it. So you want to there's two main reasons if you understand what I was talking about with inflation, investing, I'm giving loans out by investing my money versus taking loans from the bank. And I just think that by me loaning my money out, I will get better interest than the bank is going to get off of me. As of right now at 3.25%, the bank is barely keeping up with inflation. So that's essentially a wash. Okay. But let's go to the two main reasons as to why I'm doing this. Number one, I'm going to make $1.8 million more that conservatively because I will, I am young and I will probably be investing my money relatively aggressively. So there's a chance that I could actually do better than 9% over the long term. But we're just going to go with the industry average, okay? Because this is what the, the stock market has done for almost over 100 years now. And as long as the, uh, you know, U.S. doesn't collapse in the next 30 years, I think we should be okay. So the market has returned on average 9% over the past 90 years. So that's why I'm using 9%. It's pretty tried and true at this point. If I invest that money in the market long term, I put it in there and I'm not going to touch it. We're going to assume I am going to earn 9% on it. So now here is the difference. The difference is going to be I have $500,000 to put down on this house, okay? I have, five, I have a bucket of cash, $500,000. I can pay off the home immediately and then just use my income, which would be the, you know, call it an extra $3,000 a month that I can stick into the stock market over time. Or I could just take that lump sum $500,000, stick it all in there right now, leave it alone, never add to it again, and then make my home payments. Well, what happens it's the same amount of money. It's still $500,000 going somewhere. Eventually, it'll make it to the stock market, but it's over time. Well, this is where the power of compounding interest comes in, what Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world. Okay. So now, if I invest that $500,000 right now, one big lump sum into the market, 
in a mutual fund that's earning an average of 9% every year for 30 years, I will make $7.3 million, okay? So I'm taking a big bucket of cash, $500,000, dumping it in a mutual fund that earns 9% long-term, I will make $7.3 million in 30 years. That's when, that's how long my loan is, is those 30 years. And that's me never adding to it. I never put another dime in there. It's just the $500,000, $7.3 million. However, if I pay off my house right now, I put the $500,000 now. Well, now I don't have a mortgage payment every month, right? I've saved myself a little bit of money on interest. It's like $280,000 over 30 years. But I save myself, um, you know, about $3,000 payment every month, whatever. Now I'm going to use that extra $3,000 a month. And as I'm working at my job and I'm earning that and I have this extra $3,000 that would normally go to a mortgage, but because I don't have it, I'm going to put it in that same fund into the market and earn that 9%. So here's the difference. Instead of doing a lump sum, I'm just adding $3,000 every month. It's just automatic. Automatic payments. I don't even look at it. 3,000, 3,000, 3,000, 3,000. So every year I am adding $36,000 to the pot until I get to $500,000. And then I stop. Okay. So now instead of doing a lump sum, I am paying over time. Guess what that works out to? $5.5 million over 30 years. So if I contribute $3,000 a month for 30 years, it's the same amount of money, 500,000, 500,000. The difference is time. That's the only difference. $5.5 million doing it that way. That is a difference of $1.8 million. It is the same amount of money. The only difference is compounding interest and it has more time to work on a larger sum. That is a really big difference. I don't, I don't know about y'all, but the, the quality of life, if I want to retire in 30 years and the difference in having 1.8 million at that point, that's a pretty big difference it, it, when you consider you're literally doing the exact same thing. So that's the number one reason. Here's the second reason as to why I would do this probably even if it were the same. And this all has to do with the type of risk that you are willing to accept as a person. I am young. I'm in my 30s. I do not, uh, you know, God willing, have a lot more time ahead of me. I am not in my 70s. I am not approaching the end of my life. And I, therefore, because I am young, I can recover from disasters and I can continue to hold through them, um, which time has continued to prove is the best strategy whenever things get bad. So I can take a little more risk early on. Well, guess what? I want liquidity. So if I paid off my house tomorrow, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars essentially buried in my house. That's the problem. When you put your money into a house, yes, that's great. Yes, you have all the equity in your home. But what if I needed $100,000 tomorrow for an investment? It's really hard and really annoying to go to the bank, refinance my house, get it appraised, get another loan for whatever the existing rates are at that point in time, could be a lot worse. And then I have to abide by a payback schedule with the risk of missing payments and potentially getting a lien on my home if the worst were to happen and I couldn't pay it back. So there is plenty of risk in that scenario as well. And it's also a massive pain in the ass. So, but if I had it in stocks, 
and it was in a mutual fund or whatever the case is, and I needed the 100K for whatever reason, and it's in a stock, I can literally sell it in about five clicks and have it in my checking account by the end of the day. That's a that's a pretty big difference. And for somebody who is looking to be an active investor over time, such as myself, that's a very appealing option. So again, this doesn't mean that these two reasons are great reasons. It depends on who you are. It depends on your situation. It depends on your risk appetite. It depends on how old you are. It depends on so many different things. But like I said, for me, for where I'm at right now, I'm young, married, got um, you know a decent you know uh, standard of living, income coming in, all these other things. I don't need this right now. I'm really investing towards the future, so I want to get the most bang for my buck. Well, it's not going to come in a house. I, I, I'm not. I'm not making. If I was, if, if the house loan was at six percent, okay. That's something to talk about, something to think about. It's a little bit closer to 9%. Maybe the maybe the risk isn't there. 7, 8, 9%. Well, Stephen, what if you can earn 9% on the market, but then you can earn 9%? It's 9% on your loan. Well, that's easy. I'm At that point, I would probably pay off the house. Because if it's 9% on the house and it's 9% in the market, yeah, the liquidity matters, but it's not a guarantee I'm going to earn that 9% over those years. You know what I mean? And so if it's a wash, I do know the bank's definitely going to come a call and that 9% is guaranteed. So the situation changes. It's different. And this is what I encourage people to do all the time. Listen to different sources and inputs and continue your financial education. Don't take just one person's view as that's how it has to be done. There is no one size fits all approach to finance. One of the reasons that the logo I have for my company, Everything Money, being a footprint, is that a footprint is actually a more unique identifier to a person than a fingerprint is. It's it is it is it, the the reason we use fingerprints over footprints is because footprints are a lot harder to find uh, because people tend to wear shoes. But the reality is, your footprint is incredibly unique to you, and that's why I use the term financial footprint. What is your financial footprint? say your strategy needs to be. You need to look at what your current situation is and you need to look at what your end goals are. And then you need to find a system that matches up to that and not just go and look for these one size fits all approaches um, because it doesn't necessarily mean it's the greatest fit for you. So that hopefully will settle the internet debate. I don't want to be trending on Twitter anymore. I don't know if I ever was, probably not. But I don't, I don't, you know, there's bigger problems in the world. Hopefully this has settled the debate for those of you, you know, who want to continue to attack me. It's fine. I'll ignore your messages. You can send them. Um, you know, you can do what you want. I don't care. Uh, for those of you who I told you I would do this episode, I hope this helps. Please send me messages. I will respond to yours. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I'm just here to help educate uh, and help people in any way that I can. Hope that helps. Until next time, guys.